0: Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Today, I'm going to talk about if Aaron Donald is the greatest defensive player of all time. Richard Sherman agreeing with me that Matthew Stafford does not have a Hall of Fame resume. And I'm going to talk more about the Rams as well. And then also some more controversy in the NFL. Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. Will they split, and is, will it be best for them as well? Then I'm going to get into the NBA, Ben Simmons, 76ers, those games right there. And then I'm going to finish out with my top five teams, in and NHL. And tonight, we get to see the return of Jack Eichel and how efficient will he be in his first game with the Vegas Golden Knights. So let's start off with Aaron Donald. Is he the greatest defensive player of all time? After the Super Bowl, you have many people saying he is. There's an argument that he is the greatest defensive player of all time. I say no. No chance he's the greatest defensive player of all time. I'm putting him at two and you have so many great guys. Uh, Bruce White, Rod Smith, uh, Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donald. To me, Aaron Donald, you know, should be in everybody's top five. He's probably in most people's top three. Some people have him as high as number one after the Super Bowl win. I don't. I think he's the second greatest. I think Lawrence Taylor is the greatest and a lot of people are enamored after this Aaron Donald performance and just how good he is, the accolades that he has. But there are some things that Lawrence Taylor did that Aaron Donald did not do. And that's why I have Lawrence Taylor. And now when we're talking about greatest defensive player ever, we have to take, you know, everything into account. But yes, you know, Lawrence Taylor played a different Uh, position than Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's strictly defensive tackle, maybe a little bit defensive end, where Lawrence Taylor was pass rusher, defensive end, outside linebacker. That's what Lawrence Taylor was. So a little bit different there in uh, kind of technique and what it entails. Aaron Donald, to me, is a better run stuffer Run stopper than Lawrence Taylor. And that was evident in the Super Bowl when, you know, Samaji P. Ryan just had to get a yard to get the first down. And it looked like he was going to get the first down pretty easily. But Aaron Donald stopped him dead in his tracks and pulled that man back. Great defensive play. But why do I have Lawrence Taylor ahead of Aaron Donald? No, Aaron Donald has been a pro bowler every single year he's been in the NFL. Every single year. Well, that was the same with Lawrence Taylor, you know, his first 10 years in the NFL. He was one uh, pro bowler as well. So he has 10 pro bowls in a row to Aaron Donald's eight pro bowls. So Aaron Donald would have to play at least two more seasons to get to that level, you know, Aaron Donald, seven first-team All-Pros in a row. Lawrence Taylor also had seven in a row his first seven seasons, uh, and he added, you know, two additional as well. That's how good he is. Both have Super Bowls, but this is where, you know, it stands out to me. Uh, Lawrence Taylor won two Super Bowls uh, with his team, the New York Giants. But what else did Lawrence Taylor do that Aaron Donald has not done? And I don't think he'll do. Lawrence Taylor, to me, had one of the greatest seasons ever as a defensive player. One of the greatest seasons in 1986. Lawrence Taylor won the MVP that year, 1986. He is the last defensive player To ever win the MVP, there has not been a defensive player to win the MVP since 1986. And there's only been two players to ever win MVP that were on the defensive side of the ball. Alan Page, 1971. Lawrence Taylor, 1986. And that season was so great because he was first-team All-Pro, Pro pro Bowler, MVP MVP. And he had 20 and a half sacks. That year in 1986, he set the sack record. Then one went on and won the Super Bowl as well. He was that dominant. He was that good. Uh, Hall of Fame team in the 80s, three time defensive player every year. Only something Aaron Donald has done and JJ Watt has done. So to me, That season that he had, you know, it was just great. You know, he was the leader of that team and why the Giants won the Super Bowl. They had one of the best defenses that year ever. So I've got to give it to Lawrence Taylor because even though Aaron Donald was great uh, this year, especially the Super Bowl, uh, he was not the anchor for this team, you know, winning the Super Bowl. Last year, I thought the Rams defense was much better. They were number one across the board in points, yards. They were dominant. They did not win the Super Bowl last year. They won the Super Bowl this year, and their defense wasn't as good. Uh, They were around middle of a pack. They weren't even top 10 in terms of yards allowed. They were top 10 in points, but... Aaron Donald was not the anchor for the reason why they continually won week in and week out like Lawrence Taylor was. Why was this team so good? It was because of the chemistry, because of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. It was Cooper Cup, you know, setting the NFL world on fire with second most receiving yards ever, second most receptions ever, totaling the postseason and the regular season, you know, breaking all sorts of records and having, you know, one of the greatest wide receiver seasons, you know, in NFL history, probably the greatest NFL season from regular season to postseason ever And won the Super Bowl MVP. Now, I think, and I said this on Monday, that Aaron Donald should have won Super Bowl MVP uh, because of his performance. Now, in 50 years, I'll still remember it, but, you know, People younger than me, when they're just looking at stats, they're going to not know much about that game. and we are going to say, hey, Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP, Aaron Donald didn't. And they won't know the magnitude of his play in that game. And he was great, but Lawrence Taylor is better. So please stop with the, you know, Aaron Donald is better because he still needs you know a couple of years to tie him you know in all pros and pro bowls he still needs another super bowl and he needs to win an mvp i don't see him winning the mvp now if he wins another defensive player of the year you know he could pass him but i just don't see it happening i don't see aaron donald winning an mvp uh You know, now that he's post 30, he's going to be 31. That's when Lawrence Taylor started to drop after kind of 10 years in the league. His last sort of three years weren't as good uh, as the previous 10. So, Aaron Donald, I think, will still be great. You know, but will he be as good, you know, as his previous sort of seasons? That dominant where his defense wasn't as good as it been in years past. Uh, So we'll see about that, but to me, Lawrence Taylor is better than Aaron Donald because he's got an additional Super Bowl ring, and he's won the MVP, and he has a slight, a few more accolades and kind of the same things that are toss-up with the other guys, but Aaron Donald, to me, second best defensive player ever, but I will not put him in the Lawrence Taylor category quite yet. Then, you have actually reports about Aaron Donald, you know, retiring, will he retire? And there's some rumors that it's actually about the money and how he kind of wants to be paid more at the time of his contract a few years ago, when he signed, he was the highest paid defensive player of all time, around 20, 23 million a year. TJ Watt has surpassed him in money. Now, uh, at $28 million per year on average. And I think Aaron Donald is sitting at number five in defensive players paid. So he wants to be the highest paid defensive player of all time yet again. And he'd probably be making something worth around $30 million a year, which would be to me just ridiculous. I get he's one of the greatest defensive players ever. But, That's hurting your team making that money, and you're making more than most quarterbacks more than any other defensive player, any other receiver, tight end, running back. I mean, you're making a lot more than anybody else in the league, and you're already making a lot more than anybody else in the league right now, at your around 20-ish million dollars. And then there's... Him retiring, so is a retirement, just due to the fact that he wants the money. And I'll talk more about the cat situation in just a few minutes. But you also have reports that Sean McVay might retire. He says, you know, we'll see. He wants to start a family, getting married this offseason. So we'll see with him. And this would be a huge loss for the Los Angeles Rams if they were to lose both Sean McVay and Aaron Donald, uh, to me it looks like they're going to lose Andrew Whitworth as well to retirement, Uh, Eric Weddle re-retiring. But you lose Aaron Donald, the second best defensive player in NFL history, you lose Sean McVay, a top coach, that definitely, definitely hurts your team. Uh, Because then, you have to do a new system. You just lost your offensive coordinator as well, uh Kevin O'Connell to the Vikings. So you don't have a seamless transition there, so it's going to be a new scheme for everybody. And I've seen Matthew Stafford in Detroit with 12 years with a myriad of head coaches and you know, was just, you know, an average quarterback at best, you know, with some good statistical seasons here and there, but they didn't win anything. First year with Sean McVay, he won something. So he doesn't have Sean McVay. Is Sean McVay the key to be success with the Rams and with Cooper Cup and with Matthew Stafford? Can a different coach be in there and replicate that sort of success? Uh, that would hurt this team immensely to lose the leadership And kind of, to me, I know Sean is not a player, but one of your top guys right there losing Aaron Donald and Sean McVay. To me, it would hurt more to lose Aaron Donald because, to me, this defense is already suspect. Jalen Ramsey gave up 160 yards in the Super Bowl, his most ever. He's on a decline. Uh, This defense, you know, not top 10 in yards allowed. They were hammered against a run a few times. with, you know, the 49ers and other teams running the football on them, So to lose Aaron Donald up the middle, this would be devastating to the Rams. Just devastating. And then losing Sean McVay on the offensive side of the ball as well to me, just as devastating. This would be a very different-looking Rams teams. And You know, you make the case that, hey, you know, I'm glad, you know, that we won one and got our one Super Bowl. But then you have the question of, you know, what if, you know, what if these guys come back and now, you know, do I think Sean McVay and Aaron Donald retire this year? No, I don't think so. I think there's a possibility they do, but I think they'll be playing uh, next year for sure. Then you have Richard Sherman agreeing with me on Matthew Stafford's Hall of Fame case. Now, That's exactly what I said in a previous podcast that, hey, yes, he's won the Super Bowl, but what else has he done? He didn't win Super Bowl MVP. In fact, he's never won an MVP. He's never been selected as first-team All-Pro. He's he's only been selected to the Pro Bowl once. Now, I believe he should have been selected to the Pro Bowl this year and not Kyler Murray. But still, again, 50 years from now, we're going to look back and say, hey, he didn't get selected to the Pro Bowl. So, he didn't get selected to the Pro Bowl this year. So, he only has one Pro Bowl, one first-team All-Pro. And that's it. I mean, he only has one Pro Bowl, no first-team All-Pros, no MVPs, no nothing. So, that's all he has. And Richard Sherman's pointing out that, hey, you at least have to be, you know, the best in your position. I'm To me, Richard Sherman is someone who can say that because he was the best cornerback for a four or five year stretch here where he was dominant, where he led the league in interceptions at times. And for a span had the most interceptions, you know, is a uh, five time pro bowler, three time all pro, you know, hall of fame, all 2010 team, greatest player of uh, that kind of era. So he was dominant. He was, so he made a fair point, And I agree, but Hey, Matthew Stafford has only led the league in these categories. Attempts in 2011, he led the league that year in passing attempts. In 2012, he led the league in passing attempts. Yet again, in completions, but it was also a completion percentage of 59.8. And then this year, he led the league in interceptions at 17. So, Again, nothing great, so we're going to look back the past 10 years. In any of those years, are you going to tell me you'd rather have Matthew Stafford over Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford over Tom Brady? You know, those early years, you know, the 2009 to 2013, are you going to tell me you'd rather have Matthew Stafford over Peyton Manning than Roethlisberger? When he was winning Super Bowl still? No, I don't think so. Now, to me, the big debate is will Eli Manning make the Hall of Fame? Uh, and Eli Manning is kind of, to me, very Matthew Stafford esque, where he didn't have, you know, any sort of accolades himself, no MVPs like that or you know, led the league in yards or completion percentage or kind of anything like that. But he was a four-time Pro Bowler, so more than Matthew Stafford. He was also a two-time Super Bowl champion, so one more, and a two-time Super Bowl MVP, you know, two game-winning drives, both games against the GOAT, Tom Brady. So if I'm Matthew Stafford and I care about my legacy and care about the Hall of Fame— I'm pushing for Eli Manning to get in because if Eli Manning gets in, there's a good shot I get in. And Manning, you know, didn't have a winning record, but he also didn't have a losing record. His record in the NFL was 117 wins, 117 losses, so 500. And to me, that summarized Eli Manning's teams. You know, they were never the best team. They were never the worst team. They were always middle of the pack, and they had a couple of good Super Bowl runs, two of them won the Super Bowl MVP, and he was good. And that's kind of how Matthew Stafford has been, probably a little worse in his career, how he kind of always had a losing record. I mean, in Detroit, he only had uh, four winning records, 10-6, uh, and 11-5, and, and two 9-7 seasons. So never a lot of ton of success. So can we say that a player with a losing record? can make the Hall of Fame, is a Hall of Famer someone that we identify losing with. I just, I can't see it. I just don't know how that's possible when you've had people just miss out on the Hall of Fame ballot, like a DeMarcus Ware, you know, or a Devin Hester, who've made Pro Bowls, all pros, you know, were dominant. And Matthew Stafford, to me, has never, you know... Been dominant, kind of that tier one style of quarterbacks throughout his career. Now, for perception can change, but right now there is no Hall of Fame case for somebody that only has four playoff wins and they've all come this year. No, I'm not buying that. Uh, that Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer at all. And then I also want to say that. I've not been a fan of Jalen Ramsey. He's been torched a lot this year, been burned, gives up some yards as well. I think he's on a decline. I think a lot of people call him, you know, still the best cornerback in the league this year. But I think this is the last year. I think there will never be another season where we say Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in the league. I think Tom Brady took his shots to him. Jimmy G took his shots. Joe Burrow completed. And they say, hey, especially if my guy's faster than you, I mean, Jamar Chase just ran a few out routes and just burned. Jamar Chase just is flat out faster than him. So Jalen Ramsey, to me, is on a decline and will never consider him one of the best cornerbacks in the game Ever again, I highly doubt that next year I'll be sitting here talking to you all and saying, Jalen Ramsey just had the best cornerback season. He was just tremendous. I don't think we have that conversation ever again, especially giving up 160 yards in the Super Bowl. There ain't a lot of talk coming from him, and usually he's a talker. We're one we're talking about, but it was his performance that they almost lost the Super Bowl, if Joe Burrow survives the Aaron Donald sack, or if they just pick him up, Jamar Chase burned Jalen Ramsey and was wide open, would have been the touchdown, and Jalen Ramsey would have given up another 200-plus you know, plus yards that game. So, again, this is the last year we say Jalen Ramsey, great cornerback in the NFL now what about the Rams cap space they don't have a lot of money left I believe they're projected to be in the bottom five of you know salary cap don't have a lot of money left to spend now I believe they're gonna save money you know quite a bit Andrew Whitworth 17 million dollar contract if they cut him or if he retires they don't have to worry about that but Matthew Stafford making $23 million and we're going to focus on an extension with him. If they franchise tag him, that's going to be around the ballpark of $35 million, additional $12 million. But if they try to sign some mega contract, you could be looking at $40 million a year for Matthew Stafford. That eats up that $17 million, That eats up Andrew Whitworth's contract. And then if Aaron Donald is looking... For an extra $10 million there as well, uh, where are you going to find this money? You won't have room. I think you can sign OBJ because of his entry, but I don't think they'll be looking to sign Von Miller. They won't have the cap space as well. You're going to have Cooper Cup looking for an extension soon as well. So this team, I think, will be in dire straits You know, with the cap space. They're, I bet they're all happy they won it. Because who knows, if they get back there again and win it, to me, this team is not a dynasty. And they could be looking at serious cap issues coming soon. Now, I'm going to ponder the question. What if? What if? What if? What if? Now, what if is one of my favorite, you know... TV shows, not just, you know, Marvel TV shows, but one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I think it's such a cool concept, how it explores the multiverse and all the endless possibilities and how one moment in time, you know, changes, you know, so much, uh, you know, can just change everything. You know, Peggy Carter doesn't go... Upstairs, you know, she becomes Captain Carter and all the infinite possibilities. And every week, one episode of my podcast, I'm going to ponder the question, what if in a different possibility that could have happened, you know, from something small or for something big and, you know, what could have happened, whether it be something that occurred 10 years ago or something recent, something in the NBA season or NFL season, I'm just going to cover something. And we got a glimpse of that. With the tuck rule in the ESPN 30 for 30 with Tom Brady and Charles Woodson, where what if it was called a fumble? And then the possibilities are the Raiders could be the champions that year. They go into Pittsburgh, they win the Super Bowl with their great defense with John Gruden. What does that mean? That means John Gruden stays with the Raiders. He doesn't go to the Buccaneers and wins the Super Bowl the next year. That means that they could most likely repeat again. Charles Woodson stays a Raider for life, having won those two Super Bowls there already. Tom Brady, he gets benched in favor of Drew Bledsoe for just an all-right performance in the game-costing fumble. and. Who knows if we consider him a go if he doesn't have those two Super Bowls early in his career where he went a span of ten years without winning a Super Bowl, you know, between you know oh4 or 05 and fifteen. So you have those endless possibilities, those crazy what if scenarios. I'm not gonna go with a crazy one today and break down everything, but I'm just gonna do one minor just because it hurts. And that's if What if Tom Brady beat the Rams? You know, what if something changed in that game? What if Von Miller was flagged for roughing the passer and they got the automatic uh, first down, the 15-yard penalty? You know, they drove, they missed the field goal that drive, but what if that happens, that changes kind of the perplexity of the game? Because Tom Brady does not get flagged fifteen yards for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, he doesn't get the taunting penalty for the ref if he gets that call, and which is a duly right call because Tom Brady was hitting in a face mask, which by definition is roughing the passer. So what happens there? RV uh, rams up twenty seven to three at any point in the game? to where the Buccaneers have to mount a comeback, or is the game closer for the Buccaneers to then take the lead and end up winning the game in regulation? And then if that happens, they go on and face the 49ers. And we saw the Rams beat the 49ers, so they follow that path. The Bucks beat the 49ers, and I think they have an easier time than the Rams do. You know, the Rams had to have the last, you know, minute drive, Aaron Donald stop. Uh, But I think Tom Brady, being the quarterback that he is, you know, elevated over Matthew Stafford, he's able to take advantage of that secondary. He doesn't throw the interceptions that he does in that game uh, or just the bad throws in general. They win that game uh, and move on, I think, quite easier than the Rams win that game. Then they play the Super Bowl. We saw the Rams win the Super Bowl. And I think the Bucks have their way with the Bengals. And they end up winning that game. Now, they don't have the Von to pass rush. I believe the game would be higher scoring. But you've got Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's winning that game. In that game, you had Odell Beckham Jr. tearing his ACL. And in this game... I don't know if they run that route. I know Mike Evans wouldn't be in the slot working that route down the middle of a field like that. Uh, Gronk wind up in a different position. So if it would have been somebody, you know, it would have been a Tyler uh, Johnson type player or Rashad Perriman. But either way, the Bucs win that game. Tom Brady gets his eighth Super Bowl, and I have a bit more closure if he goes out to retire. Now then there's also be more possibilities of would Tom Brady play another season, get to forty-five years old. You know, he just repeated, won back to back with the Bucks. But does a three-peat entice him? No player, you know, or team has ever won back to back to back. Three consecutive Super Bowls. Tom Brady was the last one to win back to back in 04 and 05. Does he win, you know, three in a row with the Bucks or does he just call it quits? It gives me a little bit closure. Who knows? But that's what happens when we ponder the question, what if, what if Tom Brady beat the Rams? And more specifically, what if Tom Brady got the like conduct penalty that should have been on Von Miller and not on Tom Brady? Which also brings me to this question, you know, will Tom Brady, you know, retire retire all the speculation his final podcast episode yesterday and season over now and he was happy for the Rams and said you know you just got to go all in and he still says that he's content with his decision but he's still taking it one day at a time Tom Brady you're toying with my emotions this is too much for me to handle I either want you to sign those retirement papers send them to the league office so I have proof that you're retiring and it's done. Or I want to know that, Hey, you know, chances are high. I mean, you got your peers saying Brandon Bolden, close friend of yours saying, Hey, I think he'll come back. You got Gronk saying, I think he'll come back. So are we just playing into this, take it day by day? Do they know something? I don't know. Is Gronk going to play? Cause I think he wants to play. I think, He found himself again in Tampa. He's been great. You know, Tom Brady wants to see him play. I think Gronk still has a couple more good years left in him where he can be a productive tight end in the NFL. So it is all very interesting, you know, in this Tom Brady speculation that I don't think will come to an end, you know, not even until... You know, the beginning of the NFL season, I know. know, We'll be talking about this mid-NFL season if a team needs a quarterback and if Tom Brady will answer the call. So very interesting. What else is there? Vikings officially are hiring Rams uh, offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, welcoming him in tomorrow. Congratulations to the Rams for hiring him. And what else is he bringing Kevin O'Connell is bringing the passing coordinator and quarterbacks coach, 4V Rams, Wes Phillips, to be their offensive coordinator. So, boom, offensive guru's gone now, 4V Rams, and off to the Vikings. Again, that slightly hurts the Rams, you know, to lose those guys now. What happens with their offensive game next year? And I think this is a good hire for the Vikings. You know, we saw this offensive uh, kind of dynamic take off, and the Vikings have weapons. They've got Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. The question is can they unlock con artist Kirk, Kirk Cousins, or will he stay con artisty? Matthew Stafford, for the longest time, you know, was a loser in this year turned into a winner, can they do the same thing with Kirk Cousins? I say the answer is no. To me, there's something just psychological about Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, not showing up in primetime games, losing to Cooper Rush, the backup quarterback for the Cowboys on a Sunday night football game. I mean, Kirk Cousins, to me, has never been that guy. And even with kind of maybe a revamped offense, I still do not see the Kirk Cousins being that guy. But we'll see if anything changes with them. To me, they're another perennial 8-9 and nine team every single year. And then Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are co-favorites. To win MVP, do I think any of them, either of them, win MVP? I do not. I don't think either of them uh, win MVP this year. Aaron Rodgers, you know, won back-to-back MVPs, won his fourth this year. I don't see him winning three consecutively. Don't think he should have won this year. Mahomes is great, but I don't see him winning the MVP when there's You know, other players, I really think Josh Allen could win MVP, uh, who's been great in his kind of career. Uh, Joe Burrow as well, I think is another name that could win MVP. Uh, we look at the Rams and their offense changing. No Odell, no Robert Woods to start the season. It's just Cooper Cup. Could Cooper Cup win MVP? you know, be the first wide receiver since Jerry Rice to win that award. So a lot of interesting possibilities, but no, I would not bet on the favorites on Rodgers or Mahomes to win MVP this year. As much as I like Mahomes, I just don't see it uh, happening next year. And then Kyler Murray, will he lead the Cardinals? And is it best for both uh, parties involved, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, to go their own separate ways? I think it's. I think they need to go. And I think for the Cardinals' sake, they should move on from Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is electric, but he's not that guy. And he's the worst quarterback in the NFC West at the current moment. I would take Matthew Stafford over Kyler Murray. I would take Russell Wilson over Kyler Murray. Both quarterbacks won Super Bowl. I would take Jimmy Garoppolo over Kyler Murray, two-time Super Bowl winner, and he's been to the Super Bowl on his own once as well. So those are three quarterbacks I take over Kyler Murray. Yes, Cliff Kingsbury has taken a lot of heat because he's been bad, you know, down the stretch in all of the seasons as a head coach. But Kyler Murray has been, to me, deserving of a blame because he's also played poorly down the stretch, which contributes it to it. So if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'm the GM, I'm thinking to myself, do we ride it out one more year with Kyler? Because guess what? If we lose and we don't perform well again, guess what? We're for sure gone. We're gone. Whereas, hey, we can control this narrative. If we trade Kyler Murray to a team like the Broncos or the Bucks or whatever, recoup some draft picks and say, hey, we're just going to retool for a little bit and find a different quarterback that fits our mold because we've got some other talent on here. But let's get rid of Kyler. We don't want to pay Kyler. I don't want to pay Kyler. Do I think he deserves Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes type of money? Definitely not. And that's what he wants. He wants a new contract. And to me, I'm not giving him that contract. I'm not giving him a blank check and telling him to write whatever he wants and I'll sign it. No, he doesn't deserve that. This was his first playoff game and he was abysmal. Now the whole team, was not prepared. You got A.J. Green not knowing the ball was at, dropping passes, couldn't get the running game going, defense in shambles. I mean, it was bad, but Kyler Murray with the pick six, interceptions, he was not good as well. So I don't think he should be a scapegoat for the season, but he wasn't good. The Cardinals team wasn't good. And if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'm not going to attach my NFL head coaching career to one man, and that'd be Kyler Murray. I'm not giving him the keys to the kingdom and saying, hey, you know, we need to do it this year or else I'm done because I don't see Cliff Kingsbury surviving another year with the Arizona Cardinals if the same thing happens or anything worse than that. So if I'm Cliff, I'm moving on from Kyler and saying, hey, this is strictly business to where I'm trying to convince the owners to keep me around and – I know if I roll with you that, Hey, I ain't making it another year. So I think it's best to just get Kyler out of there. And we're in the era of now where quarterbacks can kind of do whatever. And kind of like a reality TV drama, every off season with quarterbacks and controversy and trays and Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and now Kyler Murray. It's just everything that goes on in the life of a quarterback. And, this year it happens to be the ongoing saga of Aaron Rodgers, but Kyler Murray has entered the chat. But I think it would be best, actually, for both teams to go on their way. Now moving on to the NBA. Yesterday, Giannis put on another classic 50-piece performance against the Pacers. 50 points on 21 shots with 17 of 21 just terrific free throws made 14 of 18 great and then added 14 rebounds as well Giannis continues to prove he is one of the best players in the uh league and yesterday as well with Joel Embiid's shoddy performance Giannis Antetokounmpo surpassed him in points per game. So you've got Giannis there, number one, sitting at 29.4. Could win the scoring title. He's also on pace to win Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's on pace to now win MVP after yesterday's performance. I think Joel Embiid, Giannis are there neck and neck. But Giannis is, you know, the best player in the league. But at times this year, I've seen from Giannis that sometimes... You know, he gives the effort, you know, 100%, but sometimes it's kind of like it's on cruise control where it's the same speed, you know, 80%, whereas last night, again, it just came too easy for Giannis. He's just that good, uh, and that's why the Bucks, to me, are still the favorites to make it out of the East because they have the best player in the planet. And Giannis Ante DeCumpo. Then you have Ben Simmons eyeing to play March 10th against the 76ers. Now let me get this straight. They just acquired you a week ago. Seth Curry's already played, Andre Drummond playing. I'm Ben Simmons. I'm eyeing March 10th to come back. I hope. I hope I can play that game. I hope I could be back by then. Are you kidding me? It's February 16th, and you're saying that you hope to play by March 10th? Are you kidding me? You're going to tell me you're not going to be available to your team until March 10th? That means you're not going to play the next, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. You're not going to play. The next nine games with your team, because you just don't feel like it. And you know what Ben Simmons reminds me of? Uh, he reminds me of a SpongeBob episode uh, where Plankton acquires uh, SpongeBob in a bet with Mr. Crab. So, you know, he wants SpongeBob wants uh, to obviously, you know, go back to his old situation. Uh, and Plankton, you know, is trying all these new things you know, to make Spongebob like his job because he wants the secret Krabby Patty formula. So he does all these things at the end to try to gain the formula. And, you know, he asks, you know, we're hungry, you should whip us up some Krabby Patties. Spongebob rolls over and says, you know, I just don't feel like it. And Plankton's like, what do you mean you don't feel like it? And he's like, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. And that's how I feel with Ben Simmons. To me, he does not have the heart of an NBA superstar because he just doesn't feel like playing. He doesn't feel like giving 100% night in and night out. He just doesn't feel like it, Uh, and he wants to do other things. And that's totally fine. But the Nets, KD, have chances. They want to win an NBA title. And if you just don't feel like it, you're not going to win an NBA title. So I don't know what's going to happen with this Brooklyn Nets team. I hope this trade doesn't backfire on them. But it's going to be interesting to watch it develop. And we'll see if Ben Simmons plays against the 76ers or any time before that, You know, if he just hopes to play. And the 76ers, they got James Harden. James Harden is not playing in the All-Star game. They're going to rest his hammies, and hopefully he'll come back after that to be with them. But the 76ers are clear title or busted. I think James Harden can be, you know, great for another two or three years. So they have a small championship window. I think this is the year to do it. Again, I like Milwaukee more than them. An argument could be made for Miami depending on seeding. I really think it'll be the 76ers and the Bucks in the uh, conference finals, but you could have the Heat in one or two slides as well. But I do think the Sixers are one of the three best teams in the East. And if they don't make it to the conference championship, because I know it's tough if they don't make it to the conference championship, or I actually should say conference finals, because uh, it's a series and not just one game. Uh, But this season, it's a bust if they don't make it that far. Uh, What they've given up, what they expect to get from James Harden, how Joel Embiid has played, anything short of the conference finals, you know, is not a success for this team. Now, the ultimate success is the uh, NBA finals, but this is a team that hasn't made the conference finals in a long time, so... That is definitely something you know they need to advance. It's kind of baby steps here and you need to at least get to that round before we talk about the NBA finals last year close, but Ben Simmons meltdown against the Hawks, and that's the reason why he is with the Nets right now. Now tonight, I'm gonna pick two NBA games uh, that are on tonight. the first. I'm gonna be picking is the uh Nets and the Knicks. And I'm picking the Knicks to win this game. Yes. Uh Brooklyn just snapped their 11 game winning streak. Seth Curry was, you know, fantastic. But guess what? Gavin Durant's still not playing. Ben Simmons is not playing. And Kyrie Irving is not playing. Yes, it's a road game, but guess where that road game happens to be? It's New York. It's right across the street. So he's ineligible to play because of the rules in New York. So Kyrie Irving, you know, will not be playing, I think, Patty Mills, Seth Curry. Great game. But I think the next one, this game, Julius Randle, kind of been good on ESPN Wednesday night games for some reason or whenever they play kind of these primetime games. Now, the Knicks have been abysmal as of late, you know, won two games in their last 10 games, or as I said, the Nets just snapped their 11-game win streak. But I like the Knicks, you know, to win this game, and this is one they desperately have to win as they're kind of sliding farther and farther from that play-in tournament. They need a win to get right. Then you have the Jazz and the Lakers. Now, I know... I said the Lakers are irrelevant, I'm not talking about them on this podcast, but when they're on ESPN, and those are the games that I pick, I have to pick the game, Jazz and the Lakers, and I'm picking the Jazz to win this game, and sadly, I have to talk about the Lakers now for just a few seconds, but Lakers are going nowhere with this team, it's sad, it's pathetic, it's sad and pathetic because they're not good. Uh, Anthony Davis was once, you know, voted as the second best player in the league after that bubble championship. Uh, and LeBron was one, uh, and now he's not a top 10. Russell Westbrook, you know, is not a top 20 player and they don't have any other top players other than LeBron. They're on a downward trend. They're not good. And it's got so bad that LeBron doesn't even want to associate with the Lakers right now. He wants to party with the Dodgers, and the Rams. He wants a joint parade that's occurring right now. And, you know, they said no. But that's what he wants. He wants to ride the coattails of other champions because he's used to parading. He's used to winning championships and being in contention and being like the Rams. And then this year, it's abysmal. They're five games below 500. They're 26 and 31. And I don't think... They get back to 500. I don't. They play the Jazz. Then they play the Clippers, who's kind of owned them lately. You know, you're looking at seven games below. You play them again. The Mavs, the Warriors down the stretch, the Suns a few times, the 76ers. I mean, I just don't see it. They're not getting back to 500. LeBron will be great. But I think after this year, I think this year's going to take such a huge toll on him. I don't think he'll retire. But he's very much going to analyze this basketball self because I don't think he wants to be on a team like this for years to come where they're losing. All this talk is on the Lakers and just how bad and abysmal and pathetic they are because that's what they are. And you look at this team, LeBron under contract, AD under contract, Russell under contract. That's your big three for a while now. And with the way it's played out, your record's going to look the same for a while, and I don't know if LeBron wants to be in a losing state like this for this long because he's not used to it. He's not used to being a loser. He's used to being a champion, used to at least going to the finals every year. You know, that's what he's used to doing. He's not used to being under 500 and clamoring for a play in spot. So it's sad that they've fallen this far. We go from the championship to the playing tournament. And just winning, and I think they'll go to the playing tournament and lose. So it is sad tonight they play the Jazz. You know, I think the Jazz win this game. You know, I don't think Rudy Gay will be playing, but you got Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and Conley. Uh, Jazz haven't been that sharp as of recently. But when is it a time to kind of go off and fix something? Oh, it's prime time against the Lakers, and I think the Jazz will win this game. And again, people tomorrow will be talking about this Lakers performance and how bad they are. But not me. I won't be talking about the Lakers because it's unless it's a game I have to pick. I really don't want to talk about the Lakers because it's just so sad that they're this bad and was a team that had the second best odds to win the championship to begin the year. Are 26 and 31. A lot of people are going to be losing money this year because the Lakers are not doing anything. And then you've got the All-Star game. And this will probably be the highlight of LeBron's, you know, sort of year is that he gets to play in the All-Star game. And every year since they've kind of done this with him, Team LeBron's been the captain. And he's won every single time. 2018, he beat Team Steph by three points. Uh, Year after that, beat Team Giannis. Uh, handily, then beat Team Giannis again by two points last year, beat Team Durant by 20. I think he'll beat Team Durant again. uh, I think LeBron plays well with the players, you know, that are selected with him, Ja, LeBron, Steph. That's just going to be tremendous uh, to watch. And then uh, you're going to have the players that he picked as well, the CP3s and such. I think he has a better team than Team Durant. I expect Team LeBron to win. You know, and remind everybody that, hey, on a collection of good players, I can be the best player. I can lead the team. But that team on the Lakers right now, uh, I really don't want to be associated with that team anymore. And now moving on to the NHL to wrap up. Yesterday, Sidney Crosby scored career goal number 500. Congratulations. To you, Sydney, it was a great sight to behold uh, to watch that, get your 500th goal, assisted by the one only Evgeny Malkin on the power play. And then to see, you know, the bench as well kind of come out and congratulate you, that was special to see uh, him get that, the players do that, and then to get the win, of course, against the Flyers at home. It just all, you know, came full circle. His parents had been traveling with him to see him get 500. So with them there, that was a touching moment as well. Again, congratulations to Sidney Crosby. The best NHL player I've ever seen in my era. Uh, One of the best hockey players of all time. And, you know, to watch him get that, that was special to see. So, again, congratulations. Congratulations, Sidney Crosby. And you get the win as well which still puts you but the best place in the Metro division. So now talking about best teams, I'm going to rank my best teams right now in the NHL, my top five teams right now. Number five, the Carolina Hurricanes. Why? They won six out of their past 10. They're sitting at 67 points, and they have a few games in hand to catch up to the, some of the other top teams, and I think they will. They also have a very high point differential as well which happens to be top five. Uh, goals scored as well. Is very high at 161 uh, this year. So this is a great offensive team. And this is a team that is young with speed, athletic. And this is a team you have to watch out for uh, come playoff time. Carolina is a top team. Number four, the Florida Panthers. Again, they've been... Very consistent, one of the better teams of this whole season, has scored the most goals at 194, a plus point differential at plus 55. They've won seven of their past 10. Everything's kind of clicking. Huberdo's leading them, but you still got Barkov. You got your role players and Hornquist and Duclair. You got the goalies playing well. So everything's clicking for Florida right now. They just want to keep it going that way. Number three, the Pittsburgh Penguins, yes, they're one of three teams to have 70 points this year. They've won four in a row, and not only that, they've just been dominant for a long stretch of their past, you know, 20 games or so, where they have just looked so good. They've had pieces in and out of a lineup, and they're still winning. Coach Sullivan has done an excellent job with this team, Tristan Jari. Uh, an all-star caliber goalie at the moment has also uh, been really good. Uh, and I think they're going to keep on winning with this pace. Sidney Crosby has just been one of the best players on the planet and does not get the recognition he deserves. Number two, Tampa Bay Lightning. It seems like they're always here every regular season. Sitting number one top bear division as well. You know, another team with 70 points. As well. They've won seven of their past ten. Uh, you know, consistent great goalie play in Andre Vasilevsky. The Tyler Johnson Stephen Stamkos looks fully healthy and is back to the all star caliber player that we've seen him at years ago. So everything is clicking for the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, and that spells doom for the rest of their division, the Atlantic. But the number one team is. The Colorado Avalanche, yes, they're the number one team at seventy-two points. You know they have thirty-four wins, which is tops in the league, and they also are the only team remaining with single-digit losses, at nine, highest goal differential at fifty-six. They're just that good, led by Nazem Kadri. Who would have thought that when they have McKinnon and Landeskog and others, that Kadri would be the team MVP? But that's what good teams do. They have players that aren't the best elevate. And that's exactly what Colorado has done. That's why they are the best team, not only in the West, but best in the league at the moment. So those are my top five. The Hurricanes, the Panthers, the Penguins, the Lightning, and the Avalanche. Now tonight I'm going to pick two NHL games. Two of my top five teams have made the list in our playing tonight. That is the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Who has the advantage here? I'm rolling with the Florida Panthers. Now, these are two very dangerous offensive teams, but I just like the Jonathan Huberdo a little bit more than Sebastian Ajo on the Hurricanes. I think Huberdo is much more of a playmaker, you know, kind of sets up his uh Line mate and Barkov, and they just have tremendous chemistry together. Now, Tony D'Angelo has been a great, you know, you know, kind of defensive savior for this team. But I think that the Panthers will win this game. You know, it'll be close. I think this will be a tremendous game to watch. But in the end, I like the Panthers winning this game. Uh, they're just a little bit more dangerous offensively, score a little bit more goals have more shots as well, Uh, and I think because of that, uh, they win that game. Now, Carolina's better defensively, so what's going to give? It's going to be push and shove, but Florida Panthers, I think Huberdeau makes a spectacular play, and they win this game. And then the second game I'm picking is the top team in the league, the Avalanche, going up against the Golden Knights. I'll tell you right now, I'm picking the Avalanche. But there's a bigger story to this game. That is the return of Jack Eichel, making his debut with the Vegas Golden Knights after a tumultuous ending with the Buffalo Sabres, having the disc surgery. Now he is back, and I think Vegas needs him right now. They need an offensive spark. Uh, Can he provide it? I don't think he'll be super impactful tonight. I think he'll just be back into it. But this, you know, to me is going to be great. You know, the past few years, the best teams have been the Avalanche and the Knights in the West. They've had a thrilling series last year of a playoffs. They meet again this year. I think the Avalanche win just because they're the better team. But the big story is Jack Eichel and his return. I think it's going to be great for the NHL to have him back. And this is a primetime game on TNT as well. So a lot of things going into this. I like Colorado and the Vegas Golden Knights. Now my question to you all today is, what do you think? Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer or not? Respond in the reviews or with anything else I have said as well or any other questions you might have for me. Again, this has been Get Your Goat. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.